Welcome to the Chocolate Cake Bites podcast. This is a podcast where we're going to discuss, understand, maybe even sometimes challenge Latter-day Saint culture. I'm your host, Ken Williams. The opinions, attitudes, ideas, and thoughts that we discuss are those of the hosts and guests. Do not in any way reflect the official doctrines or stances of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Thanks for listening, and welcome to this week's conversation. And welcome back to another episode of the Chocolate Cake Bites podcast. I am very fortunate today because I'm in the home of a great friend, a great podcaster, and a uh, great resource, Sean Rapier. Sean Rapier, yes. We are here <laughs> in my home. Welcome to my podcast in your home. This I'm is the fantastic. one who's blessed to be here. Like, this is a blessing for me, Ken. So this, this is, is awesome. so much fun. Yeah. So I told I talked to Sean and and really the Chocolate Cake Bites podcast it came from a couple of sources. Number one, I talked last week about how my daughter kind of pushed me into it, and then I had talked to you, Sean, about it, and uh, and you encouraged me in ways as well. And certainly, um, a year and a half or so ago, when you invited me in, we talked about chocolate cake and yeah, and had a great time. So. Uh, thank you for everything yeah. you've done for me and for for the podcast, and you gave me a shout out on your podcast, and that was wonderful. Sure, yeah, we've been uh, we've been doing Latter Day Lives for four years this month. That's fantastic. That's amazing. It's amazing. Uh, we have, we're about to have episode one hundred and seventy five. Wow, go out, I'm so. going. This is episode nineteen. I think that's awesome. So that's so great. There. It's great. Yeah. So one of the things I wanted to talk about, and and you're a uniquely qualified person to have this conversation with mm. is we were talking when I was in town a couple of months ago about, we were talking about questions, questions that people ask. And sometimes the the questions that people ask in an effort to really encourage people to do the right thing, sometimes drive people away. And I had referenced that I have a son who's taken a path that does not include the church. And you mentioned that you had some of the, some experience with that yeah. as well. Yeah, we have, uh, maybe I should go back and kind of explain our family layout because mm-hmm. it's, it's a, a little bit unique. You know, we, we adopted a one and a two year old, uh, who came from really rough background, but we got them when they were one and two. Mm-hmm. Now one daughter is functioning very well. She lives on her own, has an apartment and, uh, has a, a career and is doing great. Our one son is doing great, but he also is pretty severely autistic, lives in a group home Mm -hmm. uh, down in Provo, and uh, just doing great things, but, you know, uh, struggles with a lot of basics in life. Right. Uh, We then had uh, a couple of sons, and uh, so biologically they're ours, and then we adopted a 13-year-old daughter. We adopted a nine-year-old son. Mm-hmm. We adopted a 14-year-old daughter. And then that 14-year-old daughter had a brother who was never adopted. So we adopted right. him when he turned when he was 18. Uh-huh. And so he's never actually lived with us. Okay. And then some of our kids we only had for three or four years before they moved out. Right. And so it's been a little bit different. You right. know? It's been a little bit of a different family. And, and we have kids at varying levels of activity. Uh-huh. So, yeah. So... I want to go back a few years, and I grew up a member of the church. My parents were both very active during my formative years, and 
I, the, the kind of the mindset that I had growing up is that you, as you uh, get older, you leave the house, you go to college, you go on a mission, you get married in the temple, you have kids and life just kind of continues with that same pattern. Mm. And my family, I'm the oldest of six and in my family, all of us are active in the uh, members of the church. Um, Five of us are married. My youngest brother, we've talked to him a couple times on the podcast. He's not married. We talked about um, the the questions that sometimes he gets. But he has such luxurious hair. He is, so. it's luxurious, <laughs> magnificent <laughs> hair, Mark has. <laughs> Absolutely. And I have five kids. My oldest daughter um, married in the temple. And then my son has decided to take a different path. And then yep. my other kids are I've got a daughter who recently returned from a mission and then my other two kids are still at home. So we can kind of have a finger on the, the pulse of what's going on with sure. them. But um, something that I'm seeing a lot is there are a lot of families that are, that are now starting to struggle with this in ways that I don't think I've ever noticed before. I've got other members of my extended family that have varying degrees of activity um, or even membership in the church uh, if they decide to formally sever ties or that sort of thing. And I remember the, the experience that I had with my son. He was actually preparing for a mission and working on his papers and had his dental work done and medical appointments. And then things kind of slowed down. And I remember the day that he came and he just dropped a letter. And it was not really dropped a letter. He threw a letter uh, <laughs> in my lap that said, uh, because of your request, we've decided to go ahead. We have gone ahead and removed your name from the records of the church. And I have to say, I'm not sure what I expected to feel. Uh, if I thought about that before, I certainly expected my sweet wife to just break down, and she didn't. I was mm. uh, really surprised that she was strong and that she just turned to him and said, so what changed? And it was a very matter-of-fact conversation. He was angry enough with us that we didn't get much uh, through our then relationship. And things have certainly improved since then. But um, that is – so that's that was our situation, and that raises questions. I remember sitting down with our stake president and just giving him a heads up, just so you know. We have a son who's decided to step away from the church. And I didn't know what it meant. I don't know what it means from a family is forever type standpoint, from a ceiling standpoint. I don't remember seeing things like that in the handbook. <laughs> so talk a little bit about your experience. And, and I know you've got kids that yeah. have varying activity levels. Well, I'll go back a little bit because it's interesting. You talk about you know your family growing up. We grew up at the same time in the same place. In the same state. <laughs> we, we grew up a few miles from each other. And... Uh, and so my, my family, we were four, we, we are four kids, but, uh, so I have an older brother who passed away five years ago. Um, and my brother served a mission, was sealed in the temple. My brother was, uh, bipolar, hmm. had a lot going on, was married three times, uh, had his times when he was more and less active. Uh-huh. Never gave up on the church, like at all times, no matter what he was doing in his life, mm-hmm. would always tell you the church is true and and generally was an active member of the church, but had some real struggles. 
due to his mental health circumstances for sure. Right. He passed away five years ago and, uh, you know, was a, a, you know, a temple recommend holder and, and very active. Mm -hmm. Um, I have another sister who is active. She goes to church. She's a single mom of two kids. She's a wonderful mother and is active, has never gone through the temple, Mm -hmm. but is active in her ward generally. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, and, and, and the church plays certainly a good role in her life, you know, and, uh, but is not the, would not, is not going to the temple all the time. Some of the right. things that you might think of, mm-hmm. but again, active in her ward. And I have another sister who at a pretty young age completely left the church, okay. zero interest. So I was kind of, I was kind of tuned to this and actually I'm mm-hmm. very, very close with both of my sisters. Uh, but my sister, who has left the church, lives down in Las Vegas. She's married to a guy who's a non-member. They have a son. She's just an amazing person, but zero, in like, mm-hmm. do not talk to me about the church. And then, you know, there's me. I host a Latter-day Saint theme <laughs> podcast. You know, I mean, I... You were always like that, though. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I have been since... I was inactive as a teen. Right. From 15 to 17, I went through my rebellious time. But yeah, I'm on the high council. I'm, you know, I'm your, I'm as typical Latter-day Saint as they come, right? So that's, so. With an LDS theme podcast. Yeah, yeah that, the LDS theme podcast. That's pretty typical. Married to a return missionary, you know, the whole, the whole thing. So anyway, then, then with our kids, we were kind of prepped early on that it wasn't going to be, mm-hmm. you know, your regular path. Right. Um. Uh, I think one of the things that was difficult was, you know, we have certain kids that we can ascribe their circumstances to uh-huh. them leaving the church. But then, like, one of our biological sons has no interest in the church at this time. Mm-hmm. And that's when you start going, oh, maybe it's me. Right. Um, as our kids were growing up, my wife said something super profound that has stuck with me uh, all these years later. We were worried because, you know, we were we had adopted these kids. We had brought kids in who came from drug backgrounds and mm-hmm. came from all these difficult things. And we, our house, in fact, if you were to check the Wi-Fi signal here, uh, it's called Dysfunction Junction. <laughs> that is the name Perfect. of our home. Perfect. Is Dysfunction Junction. We've had the police here many times. We've had kids that have been in and out of jail and, and all kinds of issues. Um, but I remember one night, one of our kids was causing big problems and the police had had to come and, mm-hmm. and we were talking about the other kids in our home. And I said, you know, I said, I just have to take solace that maybe Nephi became Nephi, you know, or that Nephi became Nephi, even though he was raised with Laman and Lemuel. Mm-hmm. And my wife said, well, maybe he was Nephi because of Laman and Lemuel. Interesting. You know, and so I think a lot of times we worry about when our children leave, what does it say about our family? Right. And all we have to go back to is that first example, the first family of the Book of Mormon. (laughs) You know, Lehi did not raise Nephi and Sam any differently than he raised Laman and Lemuel. Mm -hmm. They were all raised in the same home. Right. But they all had their own individual things. So as our children have grown, you know, we have a daughter right now who sort of, straddles. She doesn't necessarily live the gospel. Mm -hmm. At the same time, whenever she has a struggle, she calls me Mm -hmm. and dad, I need a blessing. And she knows, you know, but she's had to take some difficult paths. Right. 
I have uh, a, another couple of daughters who are very active in their wards, mm-hmm. you know, and are doing doing great things. They're in their young single adult wards. And like I said, I have this son who um, who a while back just decided church is not for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll tell you one thing that's interesting, Ken, that I think that we need to give a lot of support for uh, is that, for example... You know, I have eight kids. I've got one kid left at, at home mm-hmm. who's 17. I haven't had a kid who served a mission yet. Um, I've had one child who's gotten married uh-huh. uh, who was divorced a few months later, and that's it. Out of seven that have right. left the home, we still celebrate when kids in our ward get mission calls. It's thrilling. Uh-huh. There's still that little bit of pain of, I wonder what that's like. Right. I hope to experience that, Mm -hmm. you know, but it's very real. These things are hard. As far as dealing with this kind of thing, um, I learned something really awesome many years ago. I was on an airplane um, and my, my great uncle was on the same flight. And it was really funny because uh, I had no idea he was on the flight. Uh, We were in different industries and stuff. and, And actually when I, when I went, I said, why did you change my seat? They said, oh, we wanted to put you next to, you know, this is this other gentleman that you're traveling with. I said, I'm not traveling. They said, what? <laughs> your your last name is Rapier. you got to be kidding. You're, and then I turned around, and there he was. Wow. And he and my dad were very close, but I, I didn't know him super well. But we ended up sitting together on this flight. And as we were talking, we were talking through each of his children. I was asking how each one was doing. Mm-hmm. And he told me that uh, one of my second cousins... Uh, had gone to him when he was 17. And now, mind you, my great uncle was a stake president. Like, I mean, very active man, mm-hmm. stake president. And one of his sons had gone to him and said, uh, um, hey, I, I don't think I want to belong to this church anymore. Hmm. I, think I'm, I think I'm done. I don't believe it, and I want to go. And my uncle very wisely said, you know what? I'm not ready to have this discussion. I don't know how to process this. Right. Give me a day or two and let me think it through. So my great uncle actually called his mission president, his mission president from how many years before, you know, and said, I need advice. He said, my, my son came to me and this is what he said. Well, his former mission president said, what do you want to tell him? He goes, Uh well, I want to tell him you live in our home. You live under our roof. <laughs> We're an active family. You are going to go to church. You are required to go to church, to activities, to scouts at the time, to whatever. We are going to make you do all those things. Right. And his mission president said, you know, I think that plan was already presented <laughs> and voted down. Why don't you try again? Wow. And it was so... My uncle said it was like a ton of bricks, like, wow, yeah, I am trying to exert Satan's plan. Right. We voted for our kids' agency. Yeah. And I think that prepped me, because that was before any of my kids had grown and gone. Okay. And I've always kept that in mind, that you know what? Agency is part of the plan. Right. Like, we have to respect that agency. That's true. That is, it is it's hard and I think about minor things, like seeing my kids do things that are insignificant, but I can see the repercussions and wanting to, to insulate them from that. And it's hard to let them make their choices and, and 
deal with the consequences. But it is the plan. That is yeah. That is the plan. I also think it's important to remember, Ken, that that none of our kids, including taking your name off the records of the church, it's not permanent. And right. and that's hard because it feels permanent. It does. You know, I've taken my name off the records. <laughs> well, you didn't take your name off the records of the eternities. You know, right. it's that's a bookkeeping issue. And and I don't mean to downplay the severity of it. Um, I had a guest on the podcast, a guy named Mike Pilkey, who was a convert to the church. And uh, he went through a time that he felt like his bishop was really kind of berating him at some mm-hmm. point, And he took his name off completely and was totally inactive for a year and change and then worked his way back. There is no permanence. I think right. the bigger thing... We have a tendency to worry about our kids who are less active, not active, whatever, and sleep well at night because of our kids who are. Right. Neither is permanent. That's true. Our kids who are active right now, who bring us much peace, could tomorrow turn around and our kids who are not active or not as active, whatever stage they're on, could flip around also. And I I have heard... In my ward or my stake of people as they go through challenges like this themselves or with people that they know, friends, family, um, you're right. It's not permanent. And it's that's, um, I think, something that, that can, for me anyways, make me feel a little bit better. I remember a, c- a couple things uh, have made a difference for me. Number one, there's a, a uh, episode of... I can't remember if it was Leading Saints or if it was the um, All In podcast. There was a there was a podcast that Tom Christofferson was yeah. on, and his story. He's, he's written books about. I it. I read his book; it was phenomenal. That we may be one, right? Yeah. And and so he stepped away from the church for a long period of time, and uh, and came back. And so for me, knowing that that was possible. For somebody to come back. Sure. And then I remember a talk, and I can't remember the name of it. I was thinking about looking it up before today, and I just didn't. Um, but President um, Iring gave a talk mm. where he said, basically, if you're worried about how it's going to look, the family relationships in the eternities, you're worried about the wrong thing. Right, right. Get yourself there. And the rest of it's going to take care of itself. And he said the family relationships will be more, uh, more wonderful than you can imagine. Yeah. And I think there are there are questions that we don't have answers to yet. And I, I love that idea that nothing is permanent. We still need to develop our own faith and testimonies. But that also doesn't mean that anyone who is has stepped away is permanently stepped away. Yeah. So. I think that another, I would say, and and that's so wise, if we're worried about how it reflects on us, yeah, we're focusing on the right things, but that that's a double-edged sword. Mm-hmm. If we're if we're breaking our own shoulders, patting ourselves on the back for the right. kid who went on a mission or the kid who got married <laughs> in the temple. I had nothing to do with We're also guys. setting ourselves up right. for, so what does it mean then when that kid goes inactive if you right. were taking credit like look at my amazing family right you know i i think that's an issue i also i'll tell you one thing that's helped us with our kids who and and, and i only have one who has specifically said 
I really don't want to be a part of the church, has mm-hmm. walked away from the church. Um, I'll tell you one thing that's been really helpful has been to frame things. First of all, a, cu- a couple of things I've learned. One is to accept that this is how it is. Mm-hmm. And I actually, it's one of my favorite things from Tom Christofferson uh, from his book is to accept that this is how it is. Uh-huh. Like, and I think there are parents who go into denial. Okay. Yeah. And I've seen that before where it's, oh, okay, you know, where the kid comes and says, hey, I don't want to go to church anymore. Okay, how long is this phase going to last? Right. And it can almost be belittling, like, okay, sure. Mm-hmm. Well, we'll just let you go through this little time. No, accept that this is how it is and respect mm-hmm. that this is how it is, is, is one thing. And so, for example, when we have our child over who has specifically said, I don't want to be a part of the church, right? Mm-hmm. We still, when they come to dinner, we have family prayer because that's what we do. Right. That's one of our customs. Of course, we have family prayer if we have a Jewish friend, an atheist friend, mm-hmm. whatever. doesn't matter who comes into our home. That's what we do. Right. However, we respect, like, for example, when the kids were younger, at Easter time, we may have said, uh, because this this one child of ours has no interest in religion at all, mm-hmm. you know? So it's finding ways to be inclusive while not sacrificing who we are. Mm-hmm. So whereas with, with little kids at Easter dinner, it may be, uh, hey, everyone, let's go around the table and something we're really thankful about, Jesus. Mm-hmm. As opposed to saying, hey, it's Easter, why doesn't everybody share something you love about family, about springtime, mm-hmm. about Jesus, about life right now. Kind of opening it up a little bit. Open it up to allow them to participate. Right. How horrible would it be to sit at dinner and go, we're all going um, to share how grateful we are for Jesus, except for Sinner Johnny. Right. Sinner Johnny doesn't uh, <laughs> believe in Jesus. He's wrong. Do you call him Sinner Johnny? I want to point out, we all call him Sinner Johnny, <laughs> okay, you know? <laughs> but instead, but then I think some families err on the other side of, oh, our son or daughter's inactive now. Maybe we shouldn't have family prayer. Mm, yeah. No, it's still our family. And you know what? I think it would freak out any of my kids who weren't active. Mm-hmm. I think it would freak them out if we didn't have prayer. Now, one thing, I don't call on them. Right. You know, because I respect that. Uh-huh. I don't. I also don't, like, if we decided to kneel down, I wouldn't go, hey, kneel. That's right. You're in my home. You, you know. Goes back to that, that whose plan are we following? Exactly. And so we find ways to be inclusive. Mm-hmm. There just seems to be some families that struggle with that, where they want to err on the one side or the other. Mm-hmm. The other thing I would say is you cannot club somebody, you know, or force somebody into becoming active again. Right. And the more you do, the more you're going to push them away. Absolutely. It shows a lack of trust in them, a lack of love, a lack of agency. Right. I know someone who left the church and his parents, his relationship with his parents has gotten pretty wrecked because Mm -hmm. his mom, with the best of intentions, will text him, hey, I just heard this podcast. It's a church podcast, but I just thought you'd think the guy was really cool. And my buddy's like, no. I don't, and you know I don't, Mm -hmm. you're just trying to shove the church in my face again. 
you know, and she'll she'll say, uh, oh, I read this scripture this morning that totally made me think of you. Right. But he doesn't get a lot of other stuff. Not uh-huh. a lot of how are you doing. So it's, it's that one focus. Yeah, it's that central focus. And he said, my worth as her son uh-huh. is whether or not I'm active in her church. Wow. And how does that how does that affect the relationship? It's gone. It just yeah. What she's basically saying is, "I'll love you when." And that's I, just a. a I think what she wants to say is, "I love you so. Uh-huh. I love you so. I need you to be active." Right. And what's coming across is, "I'll love you when." Yeah. Which is the antithesis of the gospel. So I had an experience, I've shared this on the podcast before, but just to um, to bring it up again, because I know not everybody is going back and listening to every story that I tell, though they should. <laughs> Absolutely. Pause now. They're amazing. That's Please right. pause now. Go it's back episode, to every old episode. It's the one I talked to Mark about storytelling. And um, so the, the context was, I was stake Sunday School president, it had been for about uh, two or three years, and then... There was the announcement made in general conference that the stake Sunday school president would be a member of the high council. Well, I had come off the high council after six years and I knew I was not going back. That just didn't seem to be the direction that the stake presidency would go. And so I knew I was going to be released and the stake president pulled me aside at one point and, and acknowledged, yes, you know, and I know it's going to happen soon. Just so you know, it's on the radar for probably uh, a few weeks from now and be prepared. I'd like you to stand up and share your testimony. So then I'm, I'm just kind of thinking, what do I say? I've been the stake setting school president. I was on the high council for three years working with the youth and another three years working with Sunday school. What, what do I share beyond, I know the church is true and I love my mom and dad and I love my primary teachers. And, um, I'm an ordinance worker in the, in the Indianapolis temple. And I was, I had a few minutes to just really take some time away and ponder. And I pulled the scriptures out and I was reading, a, a passage, I think it's in Alma, and I had written it down at some point, but it's um, the the story of the, I think it's, Al- see, now I should, I'm going to embarrass myself. The Amalekites are being uh, reprimanded that the, the Lamanites are going to be better off yeah. because their wickedness is because of the, the, the traditions, traditions of, of their, their fathers. fathers. Yeah. And for you, because you've known the truth, and I sat there thinking, okay, where does my son fit? Is he in the camp with the Lamanites because he followed some different traditions? Or, And that I felt really good about that for a second. Maybe that's where he is. And then I thought, wait a second. But for you, you will be condemned because you knew the truth and you've departed from it. And I thought, wait a second. How does, how does this reconcile? And then the thought came to me, the program of the church is called, come, follow me. It's not go follow him. It's not it's not me trying oh, to decide <laughs> where my son should where he fits in the scriptural right. uh, in the parables. It's and it brought me back to that passage from elder uh, from president president Irene that I don't need to worry about him. He's on a path and if I can remove my uh how I, I, how invested I – I'm not saying it the right way, but no, it's not – how invested you are in his relationship with – your role right. in his relationship with God. Yeah. Sorry, you don't have one. <laughs> <laughs> I can tell him all sorts of things. And we've talked in the past about the the purpose of 
my whole purpose in starting with chocolate cake is, and I think it's spiritual. I insist it's spiritual, but it's, it's based on personal experiences. And I want him to have a personal experience. And can he have a personal experience with the Savior and not be a member of the Church of Jesus Christ or not be an active member of the mm. Church of Jesus Christ? And the answer is absolutely yes. Millions of people do. And if he can be in a relationship with the Savior, that's that's important to me. I want that for him, but it really has nothing to do with me. Yeah, I think that's really smart. I think sometimes we as members of the church, too, can forget that we did have however many years we had with our children. I was talking to a dear friend of mine who is a... Uh, He's a devout born-again Christian. Mm -hmm. And I was sharing with him some of the things that some of my children have been going through. And, um, you know, one of the things my my friend said, well, have you witnessed to your child that the things that they are, the path they're going down is wrong? And I said, no. And he said, well, you need to as a, you know, this Mm -hmm. is... Very much, you know, it's not that he's wrong in that we need to testify and witness of the truth, Mm -hmm. but he said, you need to sit, you know, your your son or daughter down and say, hey, this is wrong. Mm -hmm. These things that you're doing now and believing are wrong. You need to do that. And I said, I did that for 18 years. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You need to call my child and ask them if I know it's wrong. If they don't know it's wrong, I've got such bigger problems <laughs> right. than whether or not I have failed at such a base level. Right. And we tend to get vested. We tend to get vested. Uh, I'll share a story that was just awesome. Uh, when my, when one of my children first went really inactive, I mean, it was sort of, and they were at a, a pivotal point in their life where, where uh, they were at the age where we were still like, are they going on a mission? Mm-hmm. Are they not? They don't seem to be. But And uh, this particular child was not very open about it yet. Mm-hmm. It was all very cryptic, but we knew something was wrong. And I just felt this stress and pain about – and I, it was starting to consume me, like, mm-hmm. what's going to happen? And so I was in Miami, Florida. Uh, I still remember what the hotel was like. And I got down on my knees, and I prayed. And I poured out my guts, Heavenly Father. This, what are we going to do? What are we? What are we doing? Mm-hmm. What is happening here? And you know, and he's doing this, and and I don't know about that. And and uh, I finished the prayer. And and Ken, one thing that's a blessing, I know there are a lot of very smart people who get the whisperings of the Spirit, mm-hmm. and they get sort of guided, and it's very ethereal. I am not at all smart enough for that. The Lord tends to talk to me, like Uh just flat out. My patriarchal blessing talks about it, that I will just hear the voice of the Lord and know the will of the Lord. Mm -hmm. And I finished praying, and God said, he is mine. Wow. And it wasn't like, oh, my son, Sean, let me comfort you. Mm -hmm. It was a rebuking. Wow. He is mine. And it came across... And the feeling I got was, what are you doing? Get mm-hmm. off your knees. What are you doing freaking out about him? He is my son. Mm-hmm. He 
he's not your son. He, right. he got, he's on loan. You know, he's yeah, he's on loan. I put this program together, <laughs> sure. But I am God. Right. I've always been fascinated by the phrase, I am God. That's the closest I've gotten to an I am God. Wow. And it was a rebuking. It was, he is mine. Will you stop with your ninny whining, crying, <laughs> freaking out over something that's not your business? Be his earthly father. Be his role model. Love him. Be his support. Right. But these bigger things, yeah, I got a plan for him. Mm-hmm. I got this figure. I'm God. So then, interestingly, it brought me a lot of peace, a little bit of shame, a lot of peace. <laughs> <laughs> a little bit Let's of Let's focus sorry. on the peace part. I really did pray then afterward and and repented that mm-hmm. i had tried to own this problem that that clearly that that's what the atonement that may not is be a problem for. yeah i made it my own then i called my my wife and i said hey i just want to tell you i was praying about our son and i just had this amazing experience and she said that's really interesting i was too this morning hmm. and she said i was praying before i could even tell her she said i was praying this morning and the Spirit came to me very strongly and said, God's got this, wow. that we need to let go, mm-hmm. and that God's got this. And I said, I shared with her my experience. Hers was much more gentle than mine. <laughs> uh, but it brought us both so much peace. And since then, mm-hmm. can I rely on that? That was a promise of the Spirit. That's, that is beautiful. It was amazing. That is, it. it takes some of that pressure off that... So, my dad had a. We were talking one day, and he he said something about how he believes, and I want to believe this too. I think this is true. He believes that a loving heavenly Father put people in the exact perfect families that they needed to be in for them to be exalted. Now, I think a lot of times I tend to be short sighted, and and the fact that one person has drifted, quote-unquote, to a different path than what I think is right. And frankly, I've probably drifted in ways that, that people can look at and say, he's, <laughs> he's off base. Sure, me too. But I think about, if, if we broaden our pe- perspective, if I broaden my perspective and think about the path, if the path that my son is on right now gets him to have the relationship with with his Father in Heaven that will take him to exaltation, then who am I to criticize that? Right. Right. Yeah, and, and, you know, scripturally, we only have to look at, you know, Alma and Alma the Younger. Mm -hmm. You know, here's Alma testifying till he's blue in the face. Alma the Younger did not come back to church because of Dad. Right. You know, Alma the Younger had to lay in a gutter for a few days, <laughs> completely right. paralyzed and unable to speak. But this to me, Ken, this is the most beautiful example of, of how it actually works and maybe how it's supposed to work. And it's mm-hmm. an extreme example. But if you think about the example, Alma Sr., mm-hmm. amazing missionary. I mean, you look at all he had been through and he's testifying and he's whatever. Alma the Younger, sons of Mosiah, no, we're going to go out, we're going to party, we're going to not live, whatever. Alma Sr. never stopped being dad, never stopped, and Mm -hmm. never backed off of it. But Alma the Younger has this experience where all of a sudden he is completely paralyzed. Mm -hmm. And he he can't do anything, can't move. People thought he was dead, the whole thing. Right. 
What does Alma the Younger think? He says, I suddenly remembered my father speaking of Jesus. Right. And I called on that Jesus, even though I didn't know anything about it. I didn't know what else to do. But in his darkest moment, who did he remember? He remembered his father. He remembered his father's teachings. I think that is a recipe. Well, and then he goes on to be the greatest. I mean, Alma Amulek is amazing. my favorite part of the Book of Mormon. Right. But he goes on to be Alma. I mean, this is, he goes on to be the, the most incredible faithful missionary. Uh-huh. There's a blueprint there. Right. It's raise your children, love them, teach them, never break that bond, teach them right from wrong. They are then going to go do what they're going to do. Mm-hmm. You're there to support. You never want to condone right. bad behavior. You're still there to be a father and support. But then that's between them and God to work right. out. And hopefully they're going to remember all the years you taught them right from wrong. And the other thing you said is love. And in in my experience, I told you that how angry my son was. And that I don't remember how long that anger lasted. I heard from my daughters that because he communicated with them and not necessarily with mm, with yeah. us but we knew we could tell from his behavior sure. that he was not pleased with with at least the last couple of years of of our our uh, his formative years i guess yeah and he moved out of the house and it was just it was difficult and i remember what changed things it was my wife, she had gone shopping and she called him up and I, she probably didn't even call him. She probably just sent him a text message and said something. I'm sure it was a white lie <laughs> that she said, I got too much lunch meat. And if you need anything, I've got bread, I've got lunch meat, I've got cheeses, I've got chips, I've got cookies. I've got, just come on over, grab what you need. Awesome. And he came over and while he was there, oh, by the way, if you need to do laundry, we got the wash and dryer here. Go ahead and do laundry. And um, so our relationship has evolved where he um, came home. I'm trying to remember if this was around Christmas time. He was home. Um, he had moved back home and was looking at buying a car. And he called me up. He asked me for advice. This hasn't wow, happened for awesome. a long time. And he calls my wife frequently and asks her for advice. He He's just a lot more connected with us. But I think the, the secret, I think it's not a secret, but it is a secret, is love. Yeah. Love your kids. And and our love for them can't be, we can't be successful. This is just me talking. I don't think we can be successful as parents if our love for them is contingent on anything. Right. Whether it's being valedictorian or lettering in sports or membership in the church or being married or married in the temple or having kids or whatever it is. Yeah. We have to just love, love them for them. I think our father in heaven does that. I think he loves us for who we are and it's not contingent it's not on, on did you scale. serve a mission? Well, the ultimate example of that is the fact that the atonement mm-hmm. doesn't have a price. There's no requirement for the baseline of the atonement. Now we know that, the second part of the atonement or the forgiveness for sins, that's a whole different story. Mm-hmm. But the resurrection part of it right. is not contingent on anything. It's for all people. I think that that's the great example. Uh, you know, and I, I'm i grateful. My parents have done a great job balancing things with all of their kids. I, I feel like 
our relationship and, and with this one child of mine who is completely left and has zero interest at all. Mm-hmm. He and I text each other all the time. We, you know, we have a great relationship, I think. Um, but another thing to think about is we think we know our children. Mm-hmm. We think we know what they go through. How many hours a day, once your child is 10, how many hours a day do you spend with your child? Not nearly. <laughs> so let's say that, let's say that uh, right now I've got a 17-year-old. Mm-hmm. If I'm lucky, now there are special times where we'll do whatever, you know, we'll go on vacation or we'll go right. do something together. But like today, you know, I mean, on an average Sunday, we'll spend an hour in church, but we're not really talking because we're in church. Mm-hmm. And then we'll spend, uh, you know, maybe some come follow me time. But again, that's studying. Mm-hmm. We do have family dinner. Maybe we're watching a show. I mean, but how much time do I see what his life is? Right. During the week, maybe it's an hour a day. Uh-huh, maybe. maybe. He's having 23 hours a day of experiences that I know nothing about. Right. But as parents, we think... Oh, yeah, I know this. Uh I know my child. We don't know anything. Right. There are things that have happened to my children that I'll never know about. Probably some things I don't want to know about. (laughs) I mean, truthfully. That's probably true. You know, I know things that I've been through in my life. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think what it it comes down to as part of it, my wife and I went to a parenting seminar, and this was uh, not a specifically Latter-day Saint seminar, but the parenting coach was amazing. And he was all about, you have to let your kids go, and you have to mm-hmm. let them have all these experiences, whatever. And uh, there was a, a woman who went up to him afterward and said, I don't get this at all. Mm-hmm. I came here excited, but from what I can tell, your message is just, hey, completely give up all control over your children. Mm-hmm. And he said, oh my gosh, I hate that you got that message out. That's not the message at all. The message is you need to give up the illusion that you ever had control (laughs) over your children. It's not about giving up control. I'm sorry that you misunderstood. That's right. We don't. That's true. And we shouldn't. And we voted not to. Right. But I'll tell you one thing, that if anybody's trying that I'm going to withhold the totality of my love until Mm -hmm. they're active – Watch when they get, quote, active or they get the job you want them to have or they finally get married or they finally – whatever it is, Uh now go offer them that love and see how it's received. Right. It has to be all the way along. Right. These are all a continuum. And so at the end of the day, you know, we're not their judges in Zion. There's nothing about a parent – there's nothing scripturally that I can find that makes us their judges in Zion. Right. And so it is our job to be their parents, their earthly parents, right. to love them, connect with them, and keep that bond. And I think that that um, yeah, the lo- the love that we have for them can't be contingent on on things, on um, anything. Yeah. Now I also think there's nothing wrong. Should there be parents out there going? Oh, if we see our kids doing something that threatens their lives, mm-hmm. of course we should say something. There's right. a difference between love and counsel. True. I've had my kids come to me and say, hey, I think I'm going to do X, Y, or Z. And I'll go, oh, that's a horrible <laughs> idea. Oh, my gosh, that's a bad idea. Please don't do that. <laughs> but if you do, videotape it. Cause <laughs> <laughs> and I'll be very open about, you know, because I still am their dad. And especially when they come and ask me. It's a little mm-hmm. different when they're not asking. But if I see they're right. in danger, and I have seen that with my children, mm-hmm. I will say to them, I'm worried about you. I love you. I care. 
Right. But it's not because you're doing this thing, I love you any less. And I think it's especially important that we show the overabundance of love to our children who are not active when we have kids who are active because right. there are more natural ways that we interact with our children who are active. Mm-hmm. You know, so if we have a child who who goes on we we need to be careful if we have you know one child who goes on a mission and another child who doesn't. Uh-huh. If all the child who doesn't hears about is the kid who's on a mission, what right. is that message? What does that say about how much you love that child? Right. It's got to be all in, Ken. Yeah. It's just got to be all in. I agree. And it gives me some things to think about, just making sure that I'm not giving the impression to any of my kids that their behavior, and this is a conversation I think I'd like to have at some point um, on the podcast where we talk about the difference between behavior and belief, that behavior doesn't necessarily um, yeah. generate a belief. But I that's I, I love – thanks so much for letting me um, crash your home for <laughs> – no, thank you, Ken. You made and me think about a lot of things here. Your your comment that I am God is so powerful to me that this is we're guides, if that, on this on this journey because we're. Cl- I got a couple years on you, but there is so much I haven't figured out yet. Yeah, me either. <laughs> I'm just trying to figure this out on my own. I was talking to somebody the other day that said I was in my 40s before I fe- felt like I was an adult, and. So I'm acting like I know what I'm doing. Ken, you but... haven't figured it out. You're who I look up to. What do you mean you haven't Come figured on. it out? I'm following your lead, Kenji. I just me. I just act like it. Don't tell me you haven't figured things out. But the thing I I, I benefited from our conversation. I hope that our listeners do too, because I hope so. it is. Um, I was talking to my wife about somebody that she was talking to earlier with uh, a family in the ward and some of the things that they're dealing with with their kids and and um there's the lgbt spectrum and there's the um the level of activity and whether or not people serve missions and all sorts of things that is from the culture that i was raised in Mm -hmm. it is so easy to to be condescending in at least thought and attitude if not uh overt condescension when people aren't making those those decisions that they quote unquote should. Yeah. And um, I, I think that you're right, that he is God, that this is his plan. They are his children. Um, and that, that comment resonates with me as well. My wife tells about a time that I was driving her nuts, which I can hardly believe that I would ever <laughs> drive anybody no, crazy. Not a chance. <laughs> but she tells me that, and it was one of the most humbling experiences that I've had in our relationship. She said she, she prayed and her prayer was, fix him. I can't stand him right now. <laughs> and the answer she got was, he's your husband, but he's my son. Yep. And that's I something God. I think it's it's important for us to remember in our relationships with our, not with our kids, with the, the people that we interact with. With everyone. With those that we minister and things yeah. like that. Thanks so much for taking a few minutes, Thanks, Sean. Ken. This was so awesome. It was great. So maybe we'll do it again sometime. Hope so. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you again next week. Thank you for listening to Chocolate Cake Bites. Please like, share, subscribe, and give us a five-star rating and review. We'd love to hear your comments and ideas, and you can reach out to me at ken at chocolatecakebites.com. And before you end the day, take a few minutes to consider, who do you know who needs chocolate cake? <laughs>